This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. That's the Pulse this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific time. This week, Joita speaks to Chantel Benoit, a veteran of Canada's vet- uh, veteran of Canada's national para, para wheelchair basketball team. Folks, what's going on with this reading today? This guy's terrible. Ah, uh, this is the first of a three-part series profiling the 2023 inductees to the uh, Canada Disability Hall of Fame. That's the Pulse this Saturday and Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on AMI-audio. You can also find it on YouTube and, of course, available on your favorite podcast platform. Wow. There you go, folks. Uh, Ramya Muthan, she's over there at the studio in Toronto. Kelly McDonald hanging out here at the studio in London, Ontario. And we're getting, you know, I must be thinking ahead. I mean, trying to read and today, you know, get everybody's names right. I have to right. work tomorrow? Excited. I think so. Yeah? Getting all you know, your costume right? pieces together? Do you remember what also is tomorrow, right? Uh, is it the anniversary thing? Are you going to bring that uh, up? This particular show, because I got a message from Melanie Taddeo, mm-hmm. um, who was going away and doing so much great work uh, with their charity in Africa. We've had her on the program talking about it. She leaves uh, in a couple of weeks with her husband, and they're gone until March, um, doing so many things, visiting and talking about accessibility uh, in South Africa. But, but she reminded me that our show anniversary is Halloween. And uh, that's, I remember that first I was gonna, Halloween day. I was going to talk about that with you you know at some point is it still considered halloween or anniversary because the tv show is released um at the start of the year start of the new year so so what do we I do i always wonder how we're going to do that i know when, and, and i figured the voice on Need that will be matt agnew he will mm. come back and say well guys and find all the perfect reasons when he returns from leave he will have all the reasons if we're going to keep it as october 31st the actual first ever airing of kelly and and company which of course is this show yes. now as kelly and ramya or if we're going to do this the uh, debut of kelly and ramya on television yes, right on television, on television right was that january now, 2nd now the no, january 9th ninth and the argument we have that I know you'll support 100% if you wish, is do both. But oh. maybe not every year, because you see, you'll want a cake. Now we're just confusing people. Yeah, I really just want the cake. That's right. And a so bottle to pop you or can't something, do that. but... Yeah, but you have to have mm. a day. But you don't have to bring it up every year, okay. twice a year. Sentimentally, for the two of us, I think it'll it'll always be October 31st for me. Um, and I think for a lot of the long time, yeah. Listeners, viewers, whatever yeah. you want to say. I think that's what they'll recognize. Especially really. because Not, we continue because on audio. Change, right? Yes. Yeah, and shows do change, but they still, the first day you went on the air. Okay, mm-hmm. we'll go from there, right? Exactly. Um, but some years we'll spend more time with Halloween. Some years we'll bring some guests on and talk about back in the day. Do you remember? I do. We've done yeah. that enough times. Um. You know, you've done it so many times. You don't. So you start yeah. saying, "Okay, so this year is definitely a Halloween, a celebrate that way. It falls nicely during the week, and 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 we can have some fun with that. And it's not a what is this? Seven years that we've we've done the show. Oh so, my gosh, you know, is that right? Will it be seven? Yeah, last year was six. Well, yeah, somebody do math. Ooh, 
Brutal. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just it, brutal. Really Great. Cool. Just reminds me so? that it's been seven years. Yeah. So that means on the tenth year. Uh-oh, I think the 10th year is going to fall on a weekend, so you can't be messing around, you know, at that point. <laughs> we can't be doing that. No, um, you know, won't. It just makes no sense. Folks, We our guest is coming. We will be getting to uh, that conversation shortly. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about what else is in the news. Yep. Two lawyers have hired a private investigator. Um, they've been penalized for doing this. They hired him to spy on a judge. John Carpe and Randall J. Cameron admitted to having a private eye follow Chief Justice Glenn Royale. At the time, the lawyers were representing churches fighting COVID-19 public health orders, and Royale was the presiding judge. In a plea deal, the lawyers are now under a peace bond that forbids them from practicing law anywhere in Canada for three years. Justice Shane Perlmutter called their surveillance unethical and an affront to the administration of justice. Steve Lambert, the Canadian Press, Winnipeg. <laughs> Sorry, Steve, cut you off there. If you find Ramya, mm. your detectives report back, this guy was doing this, that, the other. Oh, my gosh, those are horrible things. Did you get pictures? We got all sorts of pictures. Great. What do you do with this? It's a judge. I... Unless it has to do with the case, it's That's a judge. Like you're... The intention behind this is a little con uh, not concerning, but it's confusing, vague. right? It's very vague. You're not sure exactly why the private eye was brought up, which reminds me, by the way, you know when I hear private eye, what I'm thinking of from Holly, uh, the Stephen King book that we're going to review oh. tomorrow when she's like, I resent that. I'm more than just the eye. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just an eye. But anyway. Yes. Yes. What an old term. That's cute. Um. I, I agree with you. I'm not sure exactly. Like, obviously, they're getting penalized for it, and then there's the, the reasons why this is just strictly, you know, shameful, let alone it comes with legal consequences. But the actual intentions behind why they're doing it is so, like, why? Yeah. W what is it? Just for, for the clout? For the, the you know, sh uh, bringing the judge down? Bringing the, you know, system to a halt? I'm not sure what it, they expected to happen. I know that's a what-in-the-world kind of item, mm. I know, but it's for real up there in Manitoba. This really happened, so I, I, I guess I got to count it, but could you imagine that conversation, you know? So, where did that judge go today? What did he do? Well, he was actually watching you guys at your office outside of work. Wow. If it's it was particularly nuts. about the case, like if they thought the judge had to have some bias relating to the case then there could be a reason to defend why this would take place at all. Well, if you thought this judge was corrupt, whatever, yeah. but involving your case or unless he was a client, you know, something that you dealt with in some way or knew, I don't even know how that would, because it would still be just dismissed. He'd dismiss mm. it from his own court. That isn't relevant. <laughs> I'm not on trial here, you two. Yeah. Fuck that out. Like, I don't understand where it would go. I guess that's what they were trying to do, though. But the... Justice on trial. Discredit him somehow. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. But how do you, anything, any other judge, including this judge, would just, that's irrelevant. Yeah. That's irrelevant. <laughs> it has nothing to do. What I was doing last, I'm not on trial here, fellas. And all you're doing is lengthening your sentence. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. Here's another item you found, Kels, that I want to talk about um, as we're still waiting for Marissa. Hopefully we can get to her, but if not, here's some other interesting conversation. So we think about the most expensive places to live in. It's constantly mm -hmm. on our minds nowadays in North America. But the most expensive places to live in in the U.S. are not New York or San Francisco. 
Californians will tell you it is expensive to live here. Between sky-high home prices, homeowners insurance, which is crazy expensive because of wildfires, separate earthquake insurance, and gas still around 6 bucks a gallon in many places. Now a new study by U.S. News & World Report finds San Diego and Los Angeles as the most expensive cities to live in the U.S., followed by Honolulu and Miami, then Santa Barbara, San Francisco, Salinas, and Santa Rosa, all in California. Based on the median gross rent and mortgage payments are ranked as the cities that require the most wealth to live in comfortably. Alex Stone, ABC News, inexpensive L.A. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, so the needing the most wealth to live in comfortably. I think that's the line that you have to digest because it's not necessarily that it's the most expensive, but it's like the lifestyle, right? Everything comes into play. It's not just the property, um, uh, what do you call it? The, the space and the property and the locations, but it's the lifestyle of these places that come into. So what was it? San Diego and I can't remember the second one now. Uh, LA, yeah, Los Angeles. Yep are the top two. I can't believe that New York City and surrounding areas are not on that top, whatever it was, 10 list of cities that he uh, brought up. But California overall is not surprising that it has this reputation, obviously, because, you know, it's a a hub and a core for many things, Uh, tech sectors being one of the, the obvious ones, but, you know, entertainment and arts and just where people go to start up in a lot of different ways is California. I, I find it climate and reputation, period. Climate, yes, yes. People like that. San Diego's a beautiful place. They've had the money, they've had the tech, but they've had years of celebrities and money. It, mm. Being able to pay taxes there, being able to have private beaches and so on and so on. Um, there is so much to to California that I can totally understand that. I, I get it. And, you know, uh, our guest has arrived, Rum. Yeah, it's quite... Um... I'd say typical, predictable, but I wonder if there's going to be any massive changes or, you know, trickle effects of different things uh, that go on to kind of make differences in this, um, what do you call it, statistic, and Mm -hmm. in this way uh, as we know it to California, because I know that a lot of people are just moving, period. I'm not saying moving in to California or moving out of it, but definitely just moving is going about more transparent conversations around uh, how expensive it is. Um, You know, I know personally people who've moved out of uh, places like Silicon Valley because just because of the affordability being an insane uh, topic, Um, you know, and that's coming with like when we're talking about wealth, that's coming with well-paid jobs or understanding what you need to have to live comfortably. And even in those circumstances, people are like, but we don't really want to spend our entire paycheck on just lifestyle. For sure. Uh, Our guest is uh, available and ready to go. All righty. Let's talk uh, about Level Playing Field. Level Playing Field of Season 4 of the show is out now, and it is airing Tuesdays on AMI-tv, and we're going to be talking to Paralympian Marissa Papa-Constantino about her appearance on the show and just how she's doing. Marissa, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for taking some time. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to get some time with you. Can you quickly just tell us about your background, um, who you are as a Paralympian, what you've been up to, and what uh, sport you take part in? 
Yeah, so I run track and field. I run the 100 and 200 meter, and I am in the T64 classification, which is an impairment below the knee on one side. I am missing my foot. I was born that way, so I'm a congenital amputee. Uh, I've been running track and field since I was 12 years old. That's when I got my very first running blade and honestly just kind of took off from there. I had made goals to make the Paralympics and world championships, and uh, thankfully I've had a really, really great experience uh, through my sport. It's taught me so much um, in terms of the values, skills that I take throughout my day-to-day life. And, you know, being able to be part of Level Playing Field this past season has been really exciting. And the episode turned out better than I could have imagined. Nice. Tell us about that, Marissa. When when is that, you know, how did you become involved with, with the show and when does it air? Yeah, so uh, I believe that it's aired on Tuesday evenings, and uh, I got involved because Greg Westlake, the host of Level Playing Field, fantastic sledge hockey player, uh, he has been to the Paralympics so many times, lots of gold medals. He reached out to me and, you know, said that he would love to have me a part of uh, the season, and I said, absolutely, it wasn't even a question. So it was uh, it was an honor to be asked to be part of it, especially by such a respected athlete in the Paralympic space. Mm. Tell us, um, as we have just a couple more seconds with you, we, hopefully we have a part two of this conversation, but we'll definitely get to know you more throughout the, through the episode on Level Playing Field. But was there a pivotal moment um, during your track and field career where you felt like things took off for you, you know, where your passions, your drives, your commitment to the sport was starting to pay off. Sorry, do you mind repeating that one more time? I think the connection just cut out. No worries. A pivotal moment in your career in track where you felt like your efforts were starting to pay off um, for the sport. Yeah, I mean, you know, track in general is just such an up and down sport. There's so many, we call them like valleys and peaks and lows. And, you know, I experienced a lot of lows before I experienced any sort of highs in the sport through lots of Mm. injury and challenges and a lot of adversity that I had to overcome. But I would say that, you know, through those negative experiences that I had, it was what has shaped me into the athlete that I am today. And I think a big part of why I've been able to have the success that I've had is because I had to learn how to fail before I learned how to succeed. Mm -hmm. And that's just honestly been such a pivotal moment for me because I think it's just created this really good set of skills and toolbox of knowledge to really cope with challenges and be able to kind of spearhead them when they come up. And so, uh, you know, when the pandemic hit and we had to compete at the Paralympics through, you know, shutdowns and, you know, lack of training equipment or whatever it was, I didn't let that really affect me because I had been through so many challenges before I took that skill set with me and was like, okay, we're just going to take it one step at a time. And I refer to that as like riding the wave. It kind of just like is a mantra that I live my life by that no matter what happens kind of in my day-to-day life, I'm just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other and be present in everything that I do. And so uh, I think that really is what led to my 
you know, moment of success when I competed at the Paralympics in 2021 and won a bronze medal. Lovely. Marissa, thank you for your time. Uh, we only had a couple minutes with you, but uh, we were really looking forward to your episode on Level Playing Field Season 4 and hope to chat with you soon. All the best. Thank you so much and thanks for having me. No worries. Marissa Papa Constantino, she's a Paralympian um, and she is featured in season four of Level Playing Field. You can check out Level Playing Field on Tuesdays on AMI TV, on AMI Plus, and on the AMI app. Ramya, say goodbye to the nice people. Okay, goodbye, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow. Grant Hardy's back with me on the other side of the break, folks. In that hour on Know Your Rights, Danielle McLaughlin is joined by Kelly and McDermott, president of the uh, Ontario Bar Association, to talk about the new peer support network for lawyers with disabilities. And Alethea Baker-George tells us about the musical stage company 17th annual Uncover concert and a very special accessible concert. But up next, we revisit a conversation that we had at the Bounce Community Info Fair with the Program and Service Manager at CultureLink after this. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.